Welcome to the Health Science Coach Podcast. My name is Drew Garner, and I'm a health science and physical education teacher. This is a podcast to help students, parents, and recent graduates learn about pathways into healthcare and sports medicine careers. These industry professionals lay out how their experiences have helped them get to where they are now. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe to the channel or download through your podcast player. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. Now let's dig in. Today, we get the pleasure of meeting with Teresa Brown. She is a health coach trainer with Trestle Tree in Fayetteville, Arkansas. How are you doing today, Teresa? Oh, I'm good, Drew. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for spending the, some time with us this morning and talking to us a little bit about what you do with your company. Um, what does it mean to be a health coach trainer? Yeah, so um, that is probably not a term that a lot of people have heard of. And in order to talk about my job, I think it might be helpful to zoom out and talk about what it is to be a health coach. So okay. um, yeah. a lot of people have probably heard of the term coach, right? And and you probably think about a sports team. So anyone yeah. that uh, has been in sport, right, is very familiar with what a coach does. And, you know, if I were to define that, I would say your coach is there to um, kind of help you not only with your sport, but also with things going on in life along the way. So they're there yeah. to celebrate you, right? To um, successes that they've had, you've had, and they also are there to help challenge you. They see potential. Um, they have this ability to kind of have like a bird's eye view of where you're headed and what your potential is and how to steer you to that potential. Um, right. And that's, that's really what a health coach is doing, except instead of, um, focusing on a sport, the coach is there to help a person with their own health goals. So, um, you know, when it comes to our own healthy decisions, you really are the, um, you're, you're the guide of your own ship. You get to decide where the ship goes and it can really be helpful to have all the right tools in place um, to make sure that that happens. So the coach is kind of walking alongside you to say, well, what are your goals? Um, what is it that you want to accomplish with your health? How are you going to live the longest, healthiest life possible? Is right. there any room for improvement? And the coach is there to help you put those goals um, into place. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. You know, just kind of like a teacher, you know, walking around, talking to the students about the assignment or the class or trying to help them learn. Um, and as a health teacher, you know, that's kind of what we do through that health unit um, throughout the semester. So that's really cool that it expands on past, um, you know, into real life scenarios and situations. Um, yeah. So as a health coach, what what's a day in the like or a week, week in the life of a health coach kind of look like? Yeah. Yeah. So someone who wants to go into this field, um, you could either be in person or you could be telephonic. So um, different companies set it up differently where, you know, if you're an in-person, you're actually meeting face-to-face -face with that individual. If you're on the phone, if you're telephonic, you're connecting with them through phone calls or like through something like this, like a Zoom or a Teams kind of call where you can see one another. And it's an ongoing relationship, Drew. So um, when, you, when you're a health coach, you're meeting with someone for the first time, you're getting to know them, you're getting to know their story, what are your goals, what are you after for in, in your health, and then you have scheduled times where you're meeting with them. Now, the intent of a health coach is never that you have to like 
be with that coach for the rest of your life. The whole idea is the coach is there to get you started, get you on a path, and then you as the individual pick that up and continue on um, with wherever you want to go. So, so health coaches get like a little snippet of a person's life before they release them. Right. Um, yeah, to achieve their goals. So in my company, every company is different. In the company that I work with, we typically will work with someone for about six months, maybe to about a year. And yeah. that means you get to talk to that individual. It might be once every two weeks. It might be once every month, depending on what, what their health picture looks like um, before you you let them go and work with the next person. I would say if you know if you're someone who's thinking, Oh, I'm kind of intrigued by this idea of health coaching. I love the idea of helping someone. I love the idea of health. I love the idea of helping someone with their goals and trying to accomplish that. Um, you, you, you would be a good fit here, right? Like, but you have to like to talk to people because yeah. a big piece of it is learning who they are and what makes them tick. Yeah. Um, on average, how many, uh, I guess, clients do you talk to uh, a week or a day? Yeah. Yeah, and I should clarify, um, so um, I'm actually in a position where I'm training those people to be health coaches. So um, in my world, I train about 50 people. I'm in charge of about 50 of them that go out into the world and become health coaches. Now, the um, if I were a health coach, you know, I, on average, I'm probably seeing um, about six to eight people a day. Um, and you know, if, if I'm meeting with them, um, you know, so if you, if you look at a week, you know, that's, that's probably about 40 to 50 people that I might be having, um, a, a touch point with every week. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so then as the trainer, you know, you said you're the one who teaches them the skills that they need to be the health coach, right? Right. Um, how long is that, how long is that process to become a health coach? Yeah, there's different schools of thought on that. Um, so right now in, in this world of health coaching, there's no national certification to become a health coach. Um, there's no like recognized body of I've got to do this, this specific training and then I get to become a health coach. Now, um, so what that means is there's a lot of companies out there that will certify you to be a coach. And some companies, it's like you you do like a weekend with them and they'll, you know, kind of bless you to be a health coach. And then there's other companies where you are going through classes um, for months um, or there's even universities that are looking at, you know, can we create a degree that makes you eligible to be a health coach. So it's really all over the board right now. The company that I work for, when we hire someone to become a health coach, before you can even see your first person, you go through 200 hours worth of training with us. And that's part of your employment. So, you know, you're looking at um, a little bit over a month of um, basically a class, you know, where you're learning all those skills needed right. to really um, have touch base with someone. Now, Drew, having said that, you know, if people in the audience are thinking, well, I kind of like this idea about being a health coach. I'd like to learn more about that. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say there is an organization that exists right now that is trying to create a certification to become a health coach. It's not off the ground yet. It's not official yet, but it could be in the very near future 
that this company gets off the ground. They're called um, the National Health and Wellness, uh, the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching, I think. It's not an easy term. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, and what they are trying to do, I always equate it to a, a dietitian. So in the, in the dietitian world right now, um, and it used to be anyone could call themselves a nutritionist and it didn't mean anything, right? Like it's, um, you could have schooling for it and you could have never gone to school for it and say, I can help you with nutrition. So what, what that field did was they created this certification to be a registered dietitian. So when you see RD behind someone's name, it means something. It means that they've gone through to an accredited university. It means that they've passed an exam. Um, and it means that they they keep up with continuing education credits to be an RD. So if you want to talk to someone about nutrition, you really are looking for someone with RD behind their name. That's what this health coaching group is trying to do. Um, and you know, I'll share with you the reason that's important to consider for your audience is that um, this may be this may be a new term to the group, but um, when when insurance is um, paying for something health-wise, they use something called CPT codes. And CPT codes is just, it's a language. It's when, when you go to your doctor, there's like all different kinds of things your doctor can do for you. And the way that the doctor gets paid through insurance is they the doctor knows the CPT code that goes with a knee surgery or with a um, a cough that you can't get rid of, or I'm, I'm coming in to get my flu shot. Um, those CPT codes are given to insurance. Insurance says, okay, this is approved and we'll pay for this. Well, the, that group, that national group is trying to create a CPT code for health coaching. What that means is if it happens, um, which it looks like it will, what that means is there is a future where you go to your doctor, your doctor might say to you, hey, you know, I think you could really benefit from losing some weight or from quitting smoking or getting some exercise in. I am going to prescribe that you start working with a health coach and right. your insurance is going to pay for that, which means um, this field, I think, is just going to continue to grow if that happens. Okay, and I yeah, say absolutely. all that, and I and the reason I would I just want to connect the dots for the group. The reason that's important is because um, that means if if that happens, those CPT codes are going to be tied to you having that national certification with that National Board of Health and Wellness um, group. So it's a it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, absolutely. So even even current wellness coaches would need to go then and become certified to continue that to be able to accept insurance that's correct that's correct yeah yeah we're not there today but i think i think we could get there and i'm excited about that because imagine you know you go see your doctor and um i mean this is the way i see it right now is um our healthcare system you know doctors care about your health obviously right it's just that the way that the system is set up right now we don't really have time or the expertise when you see your doctor to get help on how to implement all those things in your life that you're talking about in health class. So 
The right. doctor is great. He or she is great at, at giving you information on what to do. You know, if you eat so many fruits and vegetables, if you um, get so many minutes of exercise every day, if you avoid, you know, these certain substances, alcohol, um, tobacco, so forth, you're probably going to live a healthier life. But the thing is, is then you come home and you've got to figure out how to do that in the context of your unique life. And that's where... Right. Healthcare can't really help us with that. They can't be with us during all those times when we're not in the doctor's office of how do I, how do I do this every day? That's where a health coach can be helpful. Okay. Yeah. Here's what's like the unique context of my own life. And how do I implement this um, so that it works for me? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like, I like how that, you know, kind of comes full circle by being able to do, do it at home with the, the help of the health coach. Um, so you studied your undergraduate at Truman State University, got your uh, degree in sociology and anthropology, um, and then continued your education at University of Iowa and, and uh, worked in student development. Yeah. Um, then you kind of went over to, to where we kind of connected uh, over at University of Kansas, um, and you started out as the director of student resources and wellness and diversity. What does that kind of role uh, look like? Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. That's been my path. And um, uh, so when I when I sort of got started in in my first career, um, it was at the um, University of Kansas Medical Center. And I was on the university side, not the hospital side. So my job was um, the dean of students there. She had this vision. She said, you know, so uh, at that university, you've got people that are studying to become healthcare professionals. So you've got medical students, you've got nursing students, you've got allied health students who are like your physical therapists, your occupational therapists, your dietitians, and so forth. Um, and the dean said, you know, we've we've got this group of people who are going to become healthcare providers. And she felt like you, if you're going to go see a healthcare provider, it can be hard to take advice from someone when it doesn't look like they're living the advice that they're giving, right? So yeah. she felt like, and she also recognized it's really hard to implement good habits and it only gets harder the older you get. Like, so, um, you know, if if we can't do that while we're in school, it's not like you you become an adult and all of a sudden everything clicks into place and like oh yeah all those habits you know like the, this is easy now it just it just gets harder so she right. felt like what we need is um, some good habit building while you're in school to become a healthcare provider so that way when you graduate those habits are in place and you're kind of living the life that you are encouraging your patients to live so that's really where that position, the student resources, wellness and diversity position um, was born from. And it was such a fun position. When I came into it, it was just getting off the ground. So we were defining really what student wellness meant and right. um, how to how to make that happen. Um, uh, the The medical center school day is a lot like high school. You know, students show up around 8 a.m., they have classes all day, they take a lunch, they have classes all afternoon, and then they go home. Um, so the uh, my challenge was how do I get in front of them when they actually have a break 
to talk about some of these good health instilling habits. So I got to plan events over the lunch hour and that was really the best time to catch them. And I would bring in speakers and have different events um, to target like this wheel of wellness that we had, um, such as exercise, nutrition, financial, stress, um, uh, and so forth. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a really fun position. That's pretty cool. Yeah. As a medical student, I can only imagine, you know, learning about how to money management, stress management with all those hours in school and all that. So that's that's pretty cool to be able to have that um, available for them. Um, Then you moved over as the co-director for the Strong Girls at University of Kansas as well. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that program and what what you did for for them. Great. Great. I would love to. So. uh, to to explain my timeline. So I had been at the K Medical Center for about six or seven years and um, was really enjoying that position and also uh, hit a point in my life where I felt like I was ready to go back to school and work on a doctorate. And that's how I ended up at the University of Kansas. And while there, I connected with um, my advisor, Mary Fry. And um, Mary has a background in sports psychology. I got involved in her lab. Um, So I was um, uh, involved in those good sports psychology talks. Um, I'm more interested in the exercise psychology piece. So what what motivates a person to exercise? Why can that be difficult for folks? And that just kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of sports psychology ideas. And it was through that lab work that Mary um, approached me and told me about a program that she had created in Memphis when she was in Memphis, um, Tennessee, uh, at the University of Memphis. Um, And and it was basically like an after-school program for young girls. And she asked me, hey, would you be interested in us getting this going on the Lawrence campus? So that was the birth of Strong Girls. and it was a really, really cool program. So Strong Girls um, was, is, I'll say is because it's getting a little bit of a resurgence now. Um, it's an after-school program. And um, it's really all about how it, it incorporates two ideas. One, how do I build a love of physical activity and movement in my life as a young woman? And second, um, how do I... How, how do I live my best life and treat others um, as best I can to create an optimal environment for all of us? So what the program does is it pairs up uh, young girls with a college mentor. Um, so these, you know, these two strong groups of ladies and they we we would meet once a week on Wednesdays um, on the KU campus and um, develop that love of physical activity and also just good life skills um, and talk about, you know, um, issues that a, a fifth through eighth grader might run into and how to navigate that time in your life um, and, you know, get to the point where you're at college like our like our mentors were. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So there you were working at, with your uh, for, on your doctorate while you were doing this program as well, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That was through the sport and exercise psychology um, degree there. Um, actually, Mary has been one of our guest speakers on here oh, yeah. as well. Excellent. So that's pretty cool to be able to touch base with her, um, as I have known her from KU with Dr. Fry, both Dr. Fry's, I guess. Right. Um, 
and the labs over there. So that's pretty cool. Um, so after you got your degree, you, um, let's talk about your transition then to becoming an assistant professor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right. So once I graduated, um, uh, I was able to stay at KU for one more year and complete what they call a postdoc, where um, I was helping out in that sport and exercise psychology lab, helping with the Strong Girls program. And then I had an opportunity to move to Oklahoma State. So they had a, an assistant professor position that felt like a good fit for me. And, um, and I ended up moving there and taking that position. And, you know, I'll tell you, I, I think I would still be doing that. I, I absolutely loved um, the professorship position. And as it turned out, the location was just not a great move for my family. So I, and I think that's one of the things, you know, you you consider as you as you start taking your your job and your career. And, um, you know, you, you're thinking about what makes the most sense for me and also what makes sense for the people that are in my life. So while it was a great fit for me, it was not such a great fit for my spouse. Um, and I've got two, I guess I should mention, I have two uh, children, they're twins. So now they're 16. At the time, they were um, young, I want to say like seven or eight years old. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, so after, you know, after a, 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 a difficult decision, we decided to leave that position at Oklahoma State and move back to the Kansas City area where my spouse had um a good thing going with his with his current employer. Um, so when we moved back, there was an opportunity at KU that opened up, and that was um, more on the research side of things. So KU had a director of um, student assessment um, that was available, and that meant um, I was working with, you know, when you think of a college campus, there's your classes, but then there's all these other offices on the campus, these there's like a health department, there's a, 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 an attorney's office, there's um, a student union, there's, you know, there might be Greek life there. Um, so there's all, all these other offices that exist. And my job was to work with all of those other offices and look at the data of what are you doing to help students succeed and how do we know that it's working? So help analyze that data and put together good reporting um, to show their value to the campus. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so then while you were doing that, how, what got you interested then in, in working as a, um, a health coach? Yeah, yeah, how did that transition happen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Drew, so there I was um, at KU um, working in that field and greatly enjoyed it. And I still had this love for student wellness. Like that okay. um, that seed that planted when I was at the KU Medical Center and I was in charge of that student wellness program was, was still there and it was still strong. Um, and I also had the opportunity to adjunct as a teacher. So I was teaching um, a couple of classes for okay. the KU campus um, while I was in that research position. Um, and Part of part of what I would try to do as a adjunct um, professor would be I was working with students that were in a field called community health and um, community health is a really cool field to go into. And it's also a field that it's not real obvious what you do with your degree once you graduate. So right. um, I found I had a lot of students who would say, 
gosh, like my parents are saying to me, what the heck are you going to do with your degree when you graduate? And I don't know, because, you know, if you were to Google jobs, like you could Google nursing jobs, for example, and a bunch of jobs pop up. It makes sense if you're going right. into the nursing field. If you Google community health jobs, you might get some that make sense. You might get some that are like, I don't see what the fit is here. It's it's um, it's one that you have to work a little bit harder for. So um, I would frequently Google jobs for the students to say, look, you know, here's something you would absolutely be qualified for. And they and here's how to sell yourself. Right. So let's talk about how to write a um, resume and a, and a cover letter to really sell yourself for this position. So it just so happened I was Googling for students and I come across this position with this company called Trestle Tree out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And they um, they just really spoke my language and they were looking for someone who could fill a like a teacher role, like, a you know, they call it a trainer, but it's basically a, a teacher right. and they wanted someone with a doctorate, which outside of the university, nobody cares if you have a doctorate, you know, so it's unusual that they were looking for that. And they wanted someone who really understood and had a passion for behavior change. And that's that's the area I teach. So it felt like a, a you know, a potential good move. And, and once we met, um, I thought this is definitely the road that makes the most sense for me. So um, I made that switch and, you know, it was hard. It was hard for me to leave my KU position because I love my colleagues and I, and I really love my work. And still it was like, my heart was with wellness. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, anything like that, changing jobs, but something that you're still really passionate about because it ties in the the wellness plus the exercise or the uh, psych psychological change aspect as well. You know, working with your degrees and putting those together to to create that um, kind of teaching professor type position for the trainers. Right. Exactly. I um I always think to myself. When you find yourself in your free time reading books about a particular um, uh, nonfiction field, that's probably a sign that it's a good idea to try to get a job in that field. And I'm constantly like reading books about behavior change. So that's probably a good sign that this is where I should be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's pretty good. Um, what are some misconceptions that might be out there about wellness coaches? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that um, sometimes, well, I, you know, a couple come to mind. And okay. with the company that I'm with, we firmly believe that um, we want to take people who have health background and knowledge and pour into them the skills of coaching. So right. there, you know, there there are companies that say, oh, you don't need any sort of foundational health background. We can teach that to you. And I, I tend to lean toward, I'm looking for people that, if you wanna become a health coach, I'm looking for people that have some health background already, whether that be community health or nursing or dietitian or exercise or um, pharmacy or social work. I'm looking for people that have some experience already in health and then I'm gonna pour into you those relational skills of how do I connect with someone? Not every health coaching company is like that. And I think if if you're someone who's working with a wellness coach, that might be a question I ask is, um, gosh, like what kind of a background are you coming from? Um, mm -hmm. 
because I've, I've met quite a few people that advertise themselves as health, you know, health and wellness coaches. And I'm sure that they went through a certification um, and yet really have no experience um, right. in the foundational pieces of health. Um, you know, another one that I'll say is that health and wellness coaching can get squishy. And this is what I mean by that. Life is messy. And um, we believe it's in that messiness that there, there is opportunity for movement. And sometimes life is so messy that there's a behavioral health component that needs to be addressed. So we are not psychologists, right? We are not psychiatrists. We are not therapists. And we don't try to play that role. That can get confusing sometimes for folks. Um, so, you know, a, a good health and wellness coach should be drawing very clear lines between, you know, I am here to help you with your health goal. And if there is something behavioral health wise that's going on where we can't focus on that health goal, I need to refer you to um, an expert in that area. So I think that's another area that can get a little bit, um, like I said, squishy for people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything like that kind of goes like I mean, if you spend time with anybody and they're coaching you on a certain aspect, you'll they'll indulge information about other types of things that are going on and right. You know, try to steer the conversation one way. And, you know, as a teacher, you hear it all the time in the classroom about whatever health stuff that we're talking about in class. And then they'll say something. Oh, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Right. It's not my expertise, but we can find you somebody to talk to. That's uh, exactly right. That's exactly right. You, you've hit the nail on the head. Like the goal isn't, hey, never to bring up what's going on in life because that's important. A health and wellness coach should be teasing apart though. Wow, that's something where I wanna, I wanna refer you to an expert and, um, and help me understand how this is helping or hindering your health goals. Our job isn't to psychoanalyze um, what's happening in their life. <laughs> exactly. Um, so thinking about your career, what's something that you're most proud of uh, throughout your professional um, career? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel really proud that I'm, I'm willing to take a risk. And yeah. um, I think that it can be very easy to become complacent. Like you're in a position, you know, you have your first job, the job you know, it feels pretty good and it can be hard to challenge ourselves and grow out of that. And I'm proud, you know, like I, I think about what I shared with you when I start working at the KU Medical Center, that, that was my first like real grown up job and I loved it and I enjoyed it. And I think I could still be there. I also though recognized that, oh, like there's this, there's this passion in me that I'm not sure I'm reaching my full potential in this job. So I was willing to walk away from that to pursue my doctorate, knowing that that meant, you know, we, we would be without income for a while, knowing that, um, you know, we I think I'll make it with my doctorate, but there's no guarantee. So, you know, just be willing to take that risk. And then again, you know, like I shared, it was hard for me to walk away from Oklahoma State, but I took a risk and found another great position back at KU. While right. I'm at KU, recognizing, gosh, like this position with Trestle Tree, who I'm with now, comes along, and even though I'm loving my job at KU, it, it, this one's just speaking to my soul. So I, 
I, I feel proud of myself that I'm willing to um, step into the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess either as a wellness coach or as a trainer coach, um, what are some things that uh, you guys have to do for professional development to kind of stay in line with, uh, you know, with the industry? Yeah. Um, so it'll depend on what kind of certification you get. If you decide to pursue that National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching, which I do recommend, you know, to anyone listening, if you're thinking this is an area I want to learn more about, that's one I would definitely start with as a as a place to um, consider certification. They do require um, continuing education units every year. Now, I'm not certified with them. I'm certified with a different organization called um, CHES, which is the, a certified health education specialist. So similarly, they require, I think it's like 75 hours um, every five years. So um, that organization puts out um, sometimes free, sometimes at a cost, uh, these like webinars and seminars that you can attend. There's also ways that you can earn your credits by doing other activities. So um, I do publish. So like a publication, a research paper would count towards so much continuing education credits. I find it's not difficult to keep up with it, but it does take like once a year checking to make sure you're kind of hitting so many hours every year because <laughs> yeah. otherwise 75 adds up really fast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i you know i just think like i'm a big fan of keeping current on the research i um there's constantly great research coming out in psychology and sociology and behavioral economics that um there's great podcasts out there that is keeping yeah. up with um what's current in the field and you know i just think that's important to keep up on. It's hopefully your employer is um, providing, you know, a, a way to keep up on that research. If not, you know, it's probably incumbent on us to be aware of what's being published out there, what's being talked about, what's the latest study that, you know, a CNN or a, a, a Times is reporting on, um, and what can I learn from that? So um, certainly a lot out there. Yeah, with that, you know, like we talked about, what are some of the current industry trends uh, as a wellness coach might be seeing uh, to, to research? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm seeing um, a lot of, of um, talk about habit building. And okay. um, that's an area that I think is becoming more well studied. There's a, a gentleman, BJ Fogg, F-O-G-G, and I want to say he's out of Stanford, and um, he takes the idea of um, how to how to like start a habit and keep it going, and breaks it down into really simple terms. So he takes his research and puts it into a really easy to follow format, and, and um, he's kind of known for talking about tiny habit building. So he tells the story of he was not a very good flosser. And he wants to get into a flossing habit, but it's it was hard for him to say like, okay, every night you got to floss all your teeth. Like he would do it, you know, twice and then forget about it for a month. And so he just made himself a rule that every single day when he picks up his toothbrush, he's also going to floss one tooth. 
And that sounds so silly. Like, why would you only floss one tooth? But that was kind of the, that was like the sticking point for him. Um, yeah. If you're going to do one, you know, he said more than often I would do them all. Um, right. So, so he really tries to break down habits into really easy, tiny, definable things that we can do. And another guy, and this is a book that I would recommend, James Clear. Um, and I think James Clear is an author. Um, I'm not sure otherwise of his background, but he wrote a book that's that I would say is pretty hot right now called Atomic Habits. And yeah. it's the same concept. How do I start building a habit in a way that um, doesn't rely on my own grit and motivation and instead makes it automated so I don't even have to think about it. So I would say habit building is definitely, you know, kind of a, a key focus right now in the field. Um, uh, gosh, I had another one on my head, but it, uh, it's, it's escaped me at the moment, so it may come back. <laughs> um, so you've been with Trestle Tree for five, six, seven, seven years, it looks like. Um, yeah. What are some of your career goals, you know, maybe the next five to 10 years down the road that you'd like to really think about working on? Or, I mean, you have your PhD, you're doing what you love, you're able to, to help coach 50 people to become coaches, um, to help other people that are, you know, the big pipeline of, of uh, health coach, I guess, uh, yeah. in there. Kind of kind of look at for the next five to 10 years. Um, I've got like, there's two big ones that, that come to mind. One of those goals is specifically related to health coaching. And then the other one is more related to my own professional development. So on the health coaching piece, um, we're always kind of thinking as a company, how do I, um, show the value of what health coaching brings? And that means data, right? That means numbers. That means, um, how, you know, what can our reporting look like and do to really show that health coaching is making a difference? And that's an area I'm always trying to develop a little bit more for myself, but also for our companies. So I, I would like to see in the next 10 years or so taking some of those, um, I mean, I got to tell you, Drew, in a in a uh, PhD program, you take a lot of statistics classes, um, whether you love it or not, you, you take them. <laughs> and um, uh, I would love to take that, you know, that statistics knowledge and really apply it in a way that's most meaningful for our company. Um, right. And that's that's going to take some, you know, some time and probably a little bit of re-education of what what makes the most sense for us. Um, and then on the professional development side, I had alluded to um, with this Strong Girls program that I helped start and um, create it's there's some traction for it again. So there is an organization in Kansas City called WIN, W-I-N, who is interested in the Strong Girls concept. And they've been talking with Mary and myself of how do we bring this back and how do we start incorporating this into more schools? So I just would love to pour into that and really um, have that be a strong focus of like, how do we not only spread strong girls that concept through the Kansas City area, but I could even see it be more of like a national program someday right. if all the dominoes fall. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, I've, I've seen some of the stuff that Wynn does here in Kansas City. I know they have a uh, triathlon in the fall that they do um, out at wherever, in between Kansas yeah. City and Lawrence. I can't remember yeah. the name of the lake that. Um, 
but yeah, I've, I've had some friends that have done that, and that's a pretty cool company to to be a part of, like developing with. Oh my gosh, they are an incredible team of um, women and individuals, and um, I think our our visions really align well. The Strong Girls program and what Win does. Um, so I, I, I think that's really got potential and I, I would love to see that happen. Pretty cool. Um, is there anything that you may wish you would have known in high school or early on in college that would help you with your job now? Um, like many things, right? <laughs> um, you know, I really felt, and I, I bet, I bet a lot of high school students can relate to this. I felt a need to have it all figured out when I was 18. Like I felt like I needed to know exactly what I was going to do when I went to college. It seemed to me like all my friends knew exactly what their path was going to be. I'm going to major in this. Well, even, you know, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to major in this. I'm going to um, get this job and I'm going to live here. And I did not feel that way at all. And um, in fact, when I started college, um, I just... I, I, I was going to Truman State University and you, at, I don't know if this is still true, but at the time you had to have a major declared going in. So I just randomly picked um, uh, <laughs> physical therapy. Like I just, my okay, mom was yeah. a nurse and I thought, okay, you know, I kind of like to exercise and I thought I'll just be a physical therapist. And, um, you know, that, that path did not make sense to me after a year. Like it became pretty apparent to me that the science courses that were required for that um, just were not, you know, like it, it wasn't fitting for me. And so I ended up majoring in sociology and anthropology only because, again, I had to have a major and I didn't know. So I just thought, I mean, that sounded interesting. So I'll take it. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, you have to have it figured out. So I wasted a lot of energy and time um, being down on myself. And, you know, really so many opportunities that have come along came because I met people and I talked to people and if there was a club, you know, I was checking it out and I, um, like that's really how I ended up on the path that I'm on. So I, I guess if I could go back or if I had a tip, it's, it's that it really is going to be okay. And, um, you know, just kind of trust your gut and trust that's that if you don't have it figured out, a lot of people don't, um, and if you're open to opportunities, you know, if you're willing to take a, a risk and put yourself out there, it doesn't mean that it's going to stick. Um, right. But it, it might be, it might make all the difference. And because you met this person four years down the road, that person comes back into your life and they remember you. So um, I think that's, you know, um, I think that's something good to remember. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's kind of look at, you know, the, the health coach profession. Um, this is a kind of like a four part progressional, um, question, I guess. Okay. So if, if you have a high school student that hears about being a health coach and they say, oh, that sounds really cool. Um, I want to get into being, be a health coach. What is some advice you have for them that would help them in high school? Uh, you know, as like a junior or senior. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, just for starters, I would look for opportunities in that high school that might give you some exposure to how to help someone with their health. And it might be that your school has a peer health program or a peer wellness program, and that's, you know, P-E-E-R. Um, and if they don't, 
it might be worth a conversation with the health teacher, um, the nurse at your school. How do we kind of get something like that off the ground? And what a peer health program is all about is helping bring and educate your fellow classmates on the importance of taking care of yourself. That might be a group setting, you know, that might be one-on-one -on -one meetings, and it might be programming that the school is providing, like um, the peer health group sponsors a week where they put flyers up around school with statistics and tips on um, good health practice. Um, so that's that's number one. I would I would look for opportunities within my own school to get involved in a you know a health focused organization. Um, it could be too that you know there there might be job opportunities out there, although it's it's hard to say because um, uh, it it could be hard to break into the health field when you're young, you know. <laughs> um, so sometimes they want to see experience, and that's hard because you're trying to you're trying to gain the experience. Um, but having said that, you know, like I might look at my local health department. Um, I might I might give them a call and ask, do you ever have internship opportunities or um, clubs or ways of summer? You know, do you look for summer students um, uh, to help out with um, like a initiative that you have? Do you know the other one that I'll put out there that I think is really valuable? I was a camp counselor my high school years and my college years. So, you know, I, I helped run summer camps for kids during the summer. Um, I just think that is invaluable because while you might not be focused on health in particular, you are working with individuals and trying to like persuade a group to do something. And um, I just think that definitely looks good and it helps and um, gives you some exposure to things. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of, you know, being that coach or that that counselor, being able to supervise kids and talk to them and help them with what's what they're doing at, at the camp, um, I think that would definitely be some good experience for them. Um, yeah. So I'm a little bit older now. Uh, you know, undergraduate. You know, mm -hmm. that's nursing or studying um, dietetics or something like that. That that realizes, oh, you know, I. I like all this health and all the stuff that goes with it, but I think I want to become a health coach. Yeah. What are some things that a, you know, a college undergraduate could be looking at? Yeah, definitely as an undergraduate, communicate with your advisor that that is something you're considering. There are universities that offer a um, certification along with your degree, and it might be an add-on. So it, you know, it might be like, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing to this and it's, I've got to add a little bit or I've got to, you know, sometimes there's a cost involved with certification. That's how I got my CHES, the Certified Health Education Specialist, as my university um, was accredited and it trained you. And then I paid for the exam, which was like $100 to take and was able to um, get that certification. Um, I also would highly encourage undergraduate students to look into um, some of the national organizations that exist around health and wellness. Um, two that come to mind for me, that you know, National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching is one that I would Google, I would reach out, ask about, um, are they, um, do they do any conferencing? You know, can I attend? Do they have any webinars that I can sit on? The other one, but there's many, 
Um, the other one that just comes to mind is the National Wellness Institute. Um, I think it's NWI, and they used to be out of Wisconsin. Um, so you might see Stevens Point, Wisconsin is associated with them, but they're a national organization. And they, at least pre-COVID, had um, national conferences every year, um, including um, uh, uh, virtual that you could attend if, if you weren't able to go in person. Really awesome experience, great way to meet people in the field, um, and a great way to get your foot in the door with the right players. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so then take someone that graduates from mm -hmm. college, have mm -hmm. certification, um, or they're getting ready to graduate. What is what's some advice you would have for them getting breaking into the the uh, health coaching career or profession? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I think a certification never hurts you. Now, um, there are companies that would say, I don't, you know, we don't look for any particular certification, um, but I never feel like it's a bad thing to have it. So, um, I, you know, I would definitely, I would start with that National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching. When you look them up, you will see over a hundred different organizations that are accredited with them to become like certified as a coach, pick yeah. one of those, pick one that fits your budget, pick one that fits your timeline and start working on those skills. Um, uh, it, that That's gonna help you in your job search. That's gonna look good on a resume. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then what about a employee, of, like somebody that just got their job, they've been working as a wellness coach for, you know, three to six months, uh, that new employee, they're, they're they're working in the field. Um, what's some advice you might have for them? Man, um, I say um, get read some of the books that are out there on that are like uh, hot on the press around health and wellness. So I mentioned the Atomic Habits book by James Clear. There's one, um, Katie Milkman is a name I would keep an eye on. And she just wrote a book called How to Change. Um, there's another one, um, Vivek Murthy, who's our Surgeon General, wrote a really great book called Together that um, is looking at the idea of we we need each other um, when it comes to health behavior change, that being with others makes all the difference. Um, mm -hmm. I, would, um, I would keep up on, you know, I would be listening to some podcasts that you might find really helpful. So in addition to uh, this one that your school is doing, you know, consider the Happiness Lab um, by uh, Professor Lori Santos. Um, NPR's Life Kit is another one that looks a lot at um, uh, uh, health behavior change. Um, right. There's one called Live Happy, Live More, which I absolutely adore. So lots of them out there, but I would just, I would just keep listening to them because it gives you exposure to what's current in the field. Yeah, I like that a lot. That I mean, just having those tools out there to be able to listen to other people talk about, you know, what what they are using out there um, in the industry is pretty cool. Right. Um, so our athletic trainer came up with this last last question. We got two more questions and then we'll okay, tell let me. You Thanks for spending so much time with us. Um, so the first question is, if you dislike blank, then be, this is not the right career path for you. And so our athletic trainer said, if you dislike feet, being an athletic trainer is not the career path for you, taping ankles and doing all that kind of stuff. So if you, dis, if you dislike blank, then being a health coach is not the right career path for you. 
I'm going to say if you dislike watching people struggle, which is funny because who likes to watch someone struggle? But if that is just impossible for you to watch, yep. this is not the right path because people that need health coaches are struggling. And, yeah. um, and it's usually never a clear linear path. It's like an all over the place path that, you know, they have successes, they fall and you're there to kind of help them. So if that's, if that's like, I just can't watch someone struggle. That's too hard for me. Not, this is not your path. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then if you do like blank, then being a health coach is the right career path for you. Um, I'll say if you really like listening to other people's stories, if you are curious about people um, and what makes them tick and, you know, what they're, what they celebrate, but also what they find hard, then this is a really great place to be. Good. I really like um, and then the last one I have for you is if you have a mantra or quote that you live your kind of professional work life with. Oh, uh, yeah. So one that um, has been, uh, I've been using it a couple times lately is um, by Albert Einstein. And the quote is, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Um, and I have found that to be a great way to live life. Like if I can't explain this in a simple way, then I need to go back and understand it better. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, and then especially with, cause you're helping people that are, you know, are, are the coaches and the, if the coach can't easily explain it to a person who's not familiar with it, then it's going to be really hard for them to be able to, to take that knowledge and, and imply it or use exactly. it. Yeah. Well, exactly. thank you so much for spending an hour with us. We really appreciate it. And um, anything else you'd like to say about being a health coach? You know, I, one thing that I'm, I'm remiss that I, I should have mentioned when I was at the university of Kansas, one of the best things about, um, studying under Mary Fry's learning about a caring climate. And um, I have found in this health and wellness field, I'm surrounded by people that get the idea of caring and a caring climate. And um, it's just kind of the secret to life, I think. So um, if you are thinking about this field, you know, it's, um, I think you'll find that you're surrounded by people who really do care and care about you as an individual, care about your work and uh, it's a really re rewarding place to be. So um, I hope I hope your audience considers it. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, true. It's an absolute pleasure and thank you. Um, and please reach out if I can be of help. Will do, thank you. If you've made it this far into the episode, I wanna thank you again for watching. Please subscribe, share, and comment below with any questions or comments you may have. If you're interested in more information about other professions within healthcare careers, please visit healthsciencecoach.com and talk to your school counselor or academic advisor. As always, stay happy, healthy, and live life with passion.